0: you are listening to the ingenious podcast where god's word is shared to build undisputed champions and mighty redeemers this message is brought to you by the ingenious network enjoy the message so now we are going to delve straight into our teaching. Today's teaching is very much straightforward because it's more of scripture reading, picking up principles and ideas from the test. So today we are going to read two scriptures. Um, One is very lengthy, so we are going to pick and choose that one, but the one I want us to read in eighty-four, Psalm 84. So let's start with whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Barca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God Look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your court is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked, or dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O oh, Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who, chapter 3, chapter 6, we are just going to hold on to it mm-hmm. then. As I mentioned the list, uh, we are going to pick some points from Second Chronicles chapter 6. So, for the past three days, I mean, this particular scripture has been on my heart, especially since Sunday, particularly verse number 11 that says that no good thing would he withhold from them that walk uprightly this scripture has truly been in my heart today and today I had an experience that confirmed to me that indeed the Lord is faithful everybody that is pledging his life To a spirit has expectations you have an expectation giving your life to god i have an expectation giving my life to god and we have expectations on different levels as we make this commitment to god now it is of utmost importance that we are able to contextualize our expectations so that as we come into the temple we don't get disappointed because according to the book of Proverbs, we are not supposed to be disappointed, the righteous, those of us who have our expectations in God. It says that the expectations of the righteous shall be honored, right? That's what the Bible says. It says that the expectations of the righteous result in joy, but the hopes of the wicked will perish. We are talking about Proverbs chapter 10, verse 28. So the expectations of the righteous is that as we approach the temple of God, as we find ourselves in the temple of God, we, we expect to the end result supposed to make us smile, supposed to make us confident, supposed to give us some comfort, some hope. But you will realize that that has not been the experience with a lot of people coming to the church And because their expectations are disappointed, they leave the church to go and find whatever result that they are looking for elsewhere. We even have very sad situations where we have people sitting in church, praying in church, yet visiting other deities to meet their expectation. So the question question that arises from this situation is, What is the cause of the disappointment of our expectations? I believe that before we can answer that question, we first have to understand what the expectations in the temple of God consist or comprise of. So I believe that as we come into the temple of God, there are four things that we should note in terms of expectations. Expectations are going to come from four points, four cardinal areas. The first area is that God himself is going to have expectations. So as we come into the temple, we come into the temple knowing that God has expectations. Then the second point is that the priests that are serving in the temple are also going to have expectations. Then the third is that the people that are coming into the temple... Are also going to have expectations then the fourth thing is that every process or activity in the temple we are going to associate or connect expectations with these processes or activities so remember what are the expectations in the temple expectations in the temple is going to come from God that's the deity that we are pledging our allegiance to the Alpha, the Omega, whatever name that you know him by. Then the second one is that there's going to be expectations for the priest or from the priest. It's actually for, from and of the priest. Then there are going to be expectations from the people and there are going to be expectations associated with the activities or the processes in the temple. Now, we've already talked about the activities last week, so I'm going to pick it up from there and I'm going to work my way up. So, when we come to church, we've realized that some of the activities in the temple include prayer and intercession, it includes sacrifices, it includes, you know, the purification processes, It includes all the other things if you want to. Yes, I think we've uploaded something on activities in the temple. So if you want to know the activities, you can check out the podcast. Uh, I think it's episode 28. Then you can see the activities. You realize that what we are saying is that when you perform any of these activities, there should be a result. It's, It's like saying that when I add, Two, uh, one carbon and two oxygens, the result is supposed to be carbon dioxide, right? Uh, if I add two hydrogens and one oxygen, the result is supposed to be water. So it means that If I carry out the activities in the temple as I am supposed to, I'm supposed to have a result. And that is why we will be reading um, 2 Chronicles chapter 6. If everything associated with the activities are done as required by the spirit or by the deity or by God, if you are able to meet the criteria of his prescription, we are supposed to have a result. You are supposed to have a result. Now, I'm going to say all these things and I'm going to come back to this very point concerning the processes and the activities. Now, the second thing is that the people that are coming into the temple are also going to have expectations. Now, remember, we've talked about the temple and how it is structured. Now, we know that in the temple territory or in the in the space or the sacred space of the temple who play a role in the temple are called the priest which means that the people are allowed to perform the sacrificial rites We read the book of Hebrews it tells us that the priests offer gifts and sacrifices on behalf of those of us who are, go- who are seeking who are coming into the temple with expectations Right. So let let today one of the things I want to do today is that today I want to talk very slow and I want to as much as possible give direct quotations because I realize I'm 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 fond of saying things without sometimes, you know. So in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1, it says that every high priest is chosen from among men and is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So, the the role of the priest in the temple is to offer gifts and sacrifices. So, it means that the people are the ones that are going to bring the gift, the sacrifices. One who is going to offer the sacrifices. So, my expectation as a person bringing a gift or a sacrifice into the temple is that if i bring this or with my contribution to the house of god that expectation must be met it must be met but you have to realize that right now what we are doing is that i'm talking about the old testament so in the old testament sacrificial system you realize that the sacrifices were connected to specific actions if you wanted we had, we had five sacrifices that were offered in the Levitical system, right? So when we read the book of Leviticus, it tells us what these sacrifices are, particularly when we start from chapter 8. So I'm just going to briefly mention the, the, the sacrifices, then we will know what I'm talking about. So we have the burnt offering, we have the peace offering, we have the grain offerings, we have the sin offering, then we have the guilt offering, right so remember, we have burnt offerings, we have peace offerings, we have grain offerings, we have we can, we call, we call it either grain or food offerings. then we have the sin offering and the guilt offering. so these were the five sacrifices that God required us to make atonement for. The gifts are the contributions, right? Remember, I said the other time that there is the other side of sacrifices is what we call contribution. That's what we call the free will offerings. So sometimes maybe God has blessed you in a way that you said, okay, I want to go and bless the house of God with something. So all these things that you are doing, you are doing it because of something. For some of us, we are, so for in this system, the burnt offering is offered in order to attain the righteousness of God. The peace offering is offered in order to attain the peace of God. The sin offering is offered in in order to atone for the uh, what we call the, the, the unknown sins, the unintentional sins of the people. Then the food and the grain offering is given in honor of supply, the supply of God. That God has blessed me, and and also the food and the grain offering was the ones that particularly was given to the poor people, those who could not offer um, the the bulls and the goats and and the lambs. The God was taught so much of them. He said, oh, "Well, you can give flour mixed with oil and incense." You know, so it it all it's all plays a part of it, but it was also given in honor to in terms to honor God, in terms of his ability to provide. Then the guilt offering is more of purification, right? We do it for purification purposes. So when I come to present my offering, I expect that by the time that I go, I get a positive result. So if, for instance, I I feel guilty after I give my offering as a person, I expect that the priest will do what he's supposed to do and give me a positive feedback and say that what you offered has been So as a person coming into the temple, my, my expectation is also there. But the expectation of the person coming into the temple is, is based on the ability to get the result of your expectation is actually based on two things. The first one is that it is going to be based on your personal relationship with God. And the other thing is that it is going to uh, depend on the, the state of being of the priest who is receiving your gift and your offering. It is very important that you remember this point. The expectation of the person, now remember we've talked about four things. The expectation of God, the expectation of the priest expectation of the people and the expectation of the activities or the processes. Now we are saying that for the expectation of the people, it is contingent on the person's personal relationship with God, then also the state of being of the priest who is going to receive the gift or the offering that the person is bringing into the temple. So it means that you can have a good relationship with God. But if the one who is going to present the gift to God, he is not righteous, he is not holy, or he is not pure as God required of that person, by that person's disobedience, your gift, which is righteous, will be disqualified from being accepted. So let's remember that. The third thing is that there's going to be the expectation of the priest. Now, the expectation of the priest is also going to be contingent on two things. Now, remember, the priest stands as a messenger of God and also as an intermediary of the people. So, for the priest, the expectation of the priest is that he should be concerned with the state of his being. When I say the state of his being, now, remember, we haven't really dealt with the, the clothing of the priest. We are going to deal with that later on as the days the, progresses. We did talk about the matter or the headgear of the high priest and also the, the symbol that was placed on it. He said that he placed a, a gold plate on the matter, and on the gold plate was inscribed holy. Holy is, it, is holy. Yeah, I think it's just holy. I was thinking about holiness unto God, but I think it's just written holy. So that means that the state of the high priest. Now remember, in the temple, the most important priest in the temple is the high priest. Is the high priest. Let's remember this point also. It is very important. The high priest. So the high priest, the state of the high priest must be perpetual holiness, perpetual Righteousness if the high priest is not holy it means that first and f- that he cannot go first and foremost into the very presence of god because his impurity or his unrighteousness or his unholiness is a disqualifying factor to stand in the presence of god so that is the first concern expectation of the priest is he must be concerned with his State of righteousness and state of holiness. It is a must. Then the second thing, the second concern of the priest is what God thinks of him. What God thinks of the priest is of utmost concern to the priest. Because you see, if God loves you and you stand in his presence, you will expect that because of his love for you and because you have kept the standard of your calling, Whatever petitions that you put before him must be answered. So it is not enough that you are called a priest, but it is important that the the spirit that you claim to be serving knows you to be who you are. So the priest is concerned about God's opinion of him, what God thinks of him. I think I'm holy, but the truth is, does God think I am holy? That is the expectation of the priest. So he's concerned with the state of his being and what God thinks of him. What God thinks of him in the sense that he's concerned about his perpetual positioning in the presence of God. Now, the fourth thing about is about God's expectation, right? Now, God's expectation is that the priest, God's expectation is going to cut across the three other factors that we've mentioned. God is going to have expectation of the priest, God is going to have expectation of the people, and God is going to have expectation from their processes and the activities he has instituted. So with regards to the priest, God's expectation is that the priest will become true representatives of his ideologies, of his, of his essence, of his values. Everything that he is, God expects the priest to, embody that ideology the second thing is that God is going to expect the priest to to be able to link the people to him such that the people can have a cordial and a good relationship with God so God expects that by the proper functioning of the priest the people come into fellowship with him then God expects that the processes or the activities that he has instilled. All right, so now I am going to quickly mention some of the expectations that we are going to have in the temple. But you are going to realize that as I am mentioning, I'm going to mention about 14 things. And as I mention these 14 things, I'll be picking and choosing from Second Chronicles and other scriptures too bolster my points. Now, when we come into the temple, now remember we've already said that the temple is the place to host and to house God. We've also have learned that the temple is not a place where we are going to physically have God dwell. But God is going to put his name in the temple. This point is clearly made when um, we read when we read 2 Chronicles chapter six, particularly verse five, we are going to see that point clearly made that in the temple it is the revelation of the name of God that is in the temple, because when when we raise an altar, right? And uh, so let's let's go back to our test in, in in so it says five that that my name might be there. He said that. I choose no city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house. That my name might be there. And I choose no man as prince over my people Israel. And when we go to verse 6, it's going to affirm this same point. That, but now I have, you are building this temple and I'm going to dwell in the place with my name. right? That my name may be there. I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there. So in the temple, it is the revelation of the name of God that is important. So in, when we are coming into the temple, the expectation is that you will know the name of the God that is in the temple. It is very important. You see, a lot of people have entered churches, in quotes, temples, without knowing the name of the God that is in that temple. So they will be there and later on they are going to come out and say that I did not know that this is what they were actually worshipping. So it is important that as we come into the temple, the expectation of God who is the deity, who is revealing himself in the temple that we have constructed for him to host and to house him is for us to know his name. So God expects us to know his name. It is the expectation of the priest and the people to know the name of God. Because the only way you can enter into a covenant or enter into a contract with that spirit who is the God, the creator of the heaven is that you know him by his name. So let's remember that. The second thing is that as we enter into the temple, we expect to, to know the praise of God. To know the praise of God. Now, we're going back to Psalm. Sorry. We're going back to Psalm um, 84. And in Psalm 84, when we read the verse 2, it tells us that. Let me open my Bible. My soul longs even faith for the court of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cries for the living God. Right? So, it it, it goes on to say, um, verse 4, it goes on to say in verse 4 that, Blessed are they that dwell in your house, they will be still praising you. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. So, as we enter into his house we we expect to know the praise of god we expect to know the praise of god the other point i have to i want to mention it quickly so that we can come back and talk about some essential things i believe the lord is laying on my heart to share the third one is that so in in to better understand the praise of god i think that if you write if you are taking notes If you write Psalm 100, it is going to help you to understand the praise of God. Then, the other thing that we expect to get out of the temple, we are still in Psalm 84, is to know the strength of God. The strength of God. The strength of God. Verse 5 says that, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. So, as we come, we expect that no matter what our experience is, Anytime we come into the temple, we must contact the strength of God. We must come into contact with divine strength. The other one is that we must, when we come into the temple, we come to know the ways of God. We come to know the ways of God. The book of Isaiah, it says something about the ways of God. A highway will be there, a roadway. And it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way. And fools will not wander on it. So when we come into the temple, we expect to know the ways of God. Um, Another scripture says in Isaiah, I'm trying to find another one. Isaiah 48 verse 17 says that, That This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. So as we come into the temple, we expect to know the ways of God, the ways of God. Um, Psalm 86 verse 11 says that, teach me your way, O Lord, I will walk in your truth. Teach me your way, O Lord, I will walk in your truth. So, uh, Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3 also says that, And many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his path." But the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So we come with an expectation to know his ways. Then the other one is that we come with an expectation to receive the power to prosper. The power to prosper. Now the power to prosper is going to come by many means. But when, when we read um, the same Psalm 84... It says that, it talks somewhere about Barca. uh Yes, verse 6, Psalm so 84, verse 6 says that, Who passing through the valley of Baka make it a well. Who passing through the valley of Baka make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. Now, w- what is the essence of the valley of Baka? Now, the valley of Baka is... The the word baka there actually means to weep, to weep, crying, weeping. So as we are going through the experience of sorrow, of pain, of loss, he's saying that, now remember, everything that we are talking about in Psalm 84 is about the temple. It starts in verse 1. How amiable, my version says that, how amiable are the tabernacles I, I, your tabernacles, O Lord, I, your tabernacles, O Lord. So you have to understand that whatever we are talking about is in context of the temple. And see that because good is a good, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Therefore my soul longs even faints for the courts of the Lord. So everything that we are saying is in context of the house of God. So, we also realize that there is prosperity there. So, it says that as they go through the valley of Barca, it turns into a well. Now, remember, well and springs are a symbolic of prosperity. Wells and springs are symbolic of prosperity in the Bible. And so, when we read scriptures like Psalm, 90, Psalm 92 verses 12 to 15... 15. I want to read something there. The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there's no unrighteousness in him so in the house of god we find prosperity so as we are coming into the house of god we expect to come into contact with prosperity protection and deliverance protection and deliverance He says that when we read um the same um some 84 verse eleven, says that for the lord is a son and a shield the lord is a son and a shield as we enter into the house of the lord we expect to receive protection, security, and deliverance. And deliverance. Psalm 84 verse 11 says that, For the Lord is a son and shield. The Lord is a son and shield. So, the Lord being a son and a shield, meaning that he is a protector and a deliverer. To better appreciate this in context, we have to read Psalm 91 which is very, very, very popular, right? All of us can quote Psalm 91. So it says that those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him I will. From the snail of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence, he will cover the end So, right, once again, we come across the, the reference to shield. Right. We don't have to read. If you want to read everything, you can read it in your own time. So you realize that in the temple, our expectation is that we will receive protection, security and deliverance. The other thing is that in the temple, we expect our prayers to be heard. We expect our petitions to be heard. Our petitions not only to be heard, but also for them to be granted. So we expect God to hear and answer as we come into the temple. We expect him to hear and answer. So as we go back to Psalm 84, strength, strength, O Lord of hosts. Yeah, verse 8 says that, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God, to Jacob. Verse 8, 84 verse 8. Hear my prayer. So our expectation that in the temple, God will not only hear our prayer, but what he will answer us. For the phrase give ear means answer my prayer answer my prayer. So we expect to be heard and answered in the temple. Um, this we can also find in 2nd Chronicles chapter 6 verses 19 to 21. 2nd Chronicles chapter 6 verses 19 to 21. Today as I said, I'm really taking it very slow. If I cannot deal with everything in time on Thursday, we are going to continue. So it says that have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O oh Lord my God. Listen to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you. That your eyes may be open day and night toward this house, the place where you have promised to set your name. That you see the name also playing coming to play here. That you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place. And listen to the pleas of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place and listen from heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. So you realize that God is saying that in the temple, our expectation is that God will listen and hear our prayer. Now, the other thing is that we expect blessing. When we come in the temple, we expect to be blessed. We expect to be blessed. Now, when we read the Psalm 84, again, When we read, I think, verse um, uh, verse 12, verse 12 says that the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. So we, 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 we come to receive a blessing. Verse 11 says that for the Lord is a sun and a shield. And he explains that the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So in the temple, we expect a blessing, a blessing that is going to bring favor, that is going to bring honor, that is going to bring glory, that is going to bring all good things toward us. We expect that blessing in the temple. Then in the temple, we also expect God to confirm his covenant, his promises. We don't. So it's it's confirmation and affirmation. Confirmation and affirmation. So you realize in Second Chronicles, um, when um, the, um, Solomon is praying, that he's going to highlight the point where he's drawing God's attention to the promises. When we read verse um, fourteen, actually, we start. He starts praying from Second Chronicles chapter six, verse twelve. But I'm picking the story from verse 14. He says that, and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in the heaven or in the earth, which keeps covenant and shows mercy to your servant that walk before you with all thy heart. You, which has kept with thy servant David my father, that which you have promised him, rather, that which thou hast promised him and speakest with thy mouth and has fulfilled it with thy hand as it is this day right so in in the temple we expect that god will confirm and affirm his covenant and said O lord god of israel there is no god like you in heaven or in the earth keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servant david my father whom you declared to him You spoke what you spoke with your mouth and with your hand. You have fulfilled it this day. Now, therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, what you have promised him, saying you shall not lack a man. So in the temple, we expect God to confirm and affirm his covenants, his promises that he has made with us. Remember, the covenant and the promises are based on the altar. They are based on the altar because we did say in other episodes in the other previous teaching that when you raise an altar, the spirit will have to make an offer, right? The spirit will have to reveal himself to you and say that I am this spirit. If you let me be part of your life, I will do a b c d for you. If you agree, The sign of the agreement is that he's going to tell you that raise an altar for me. Because remember, an altar is for invitation and invocation. And when you raise the altar, then the spirit will come and enter into a covenant with you. That this day, now that you have opened a door for me, I agree to do A, B, C, D for you. Then you in turn will do E, F, G, F, K for me. Then we will say, okay, then that contract is signed, and the sacrifice goes on the altar and it becomes a binding instrument. So when we are talking about the promises and the covenant, remember it is all tied to the altar. We also expect to receive forgiveness and mercy in the temple. 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 25 and 20 to 27. It says that when you hear from the heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel, bring them again unto the land which thou gives them to their fathers, right? We expect forgiveness. We expect forgiveness. When the heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy name turn from and turn from their sin, When thou dost afflict them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel. When thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon thy land which thou hast given unto their people. So when we come in, we expect that whatever sins, whatever errors, whatever transgressions, iniquities, and whatever else that we carry, the Lord will not hold it against us. When we come into his temple in sincerity of heart to confess and to let go. The other thing is that we expect to have healing and restoration. Healing and restoration. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verses 28 to 30. And if there be death in the land, if there be pestilence, if there be a blasting, a mildew, locust or caterpillars. If their enemies beseech them in the cities of their land, whatsoever soul or whatsoever sickness there be, then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made of any man of all thy people Israel, when everyone shall know his own soul and his own grief, and shall spread forth his hands in this house, then hear from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive. And render unto every man according to all his ways, whose heart thou knowest. So there we expect healing and restoration when we come into the temple. The other one is that we expect to be victorious, still so staying in Second Chronicles chapter six. He's going to talk about war, right? When we read verse 36. Um, war and fighting. When we start reading from um, verse thirty-four to thirty-six, if thy people go out to war against their enemies by the way that they should, that thou shalt send them, and they pray unto thee toward this city which thou hast chosen in thou and the house which you have that I have built for thy name, then hear their prayer from heaven. Hear from heaven their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause so we expect that when we come into the temple we will have victories victories in life, victories in any of the battles that we are facing when we enter into the temple we expect to have victory by the time we are out of there Um, the other one is um, we expect God to avenge us we expect the justice system of God to be to be instigated or to be to be started when we come into the temple. We expect God to avenge us. This is also a situation that we see in Second Chronicles chapter six verse twenty-three. Then hear from heaven and act and judge your servant, repaying the guilty by bringing his conduct on his own head. And vindicating the righteous by rewarding him according to his righteousness. So, in the temple, we expect to have the vengeance of God upon the wicked, upon the ungodly, upon our enemies. Um, the the last one that I would like to talk about today is that in the temple, and before because time is fast spent, I'm just going to highlight on this. Then on Thursday, we are going to spend much time. On this particular point. In the temple. The priest must be clothed with salvation. In the temple. We expect that the priest. Will be clothed with salvation. That is because the priest. Is the representative of God in the earth. If the priest is the representative of God in the earth. And the God that this priest is serving. Is who we he claims him to be. A healer a deliverer, a protector, a God that gives strength, a God that prospers, a God that is kind, a God that is benevolent, a God that does not withhold any good thing from us. If I enter into the temple with any challenge, I expect that the priest, because I cannot meet that God, it is the priest that is standing as an intermediary as we read in Hebrews 5. So I expect that, if I meet the priest, I must experience the salvation that this deity or this God promises. I am going to leave it here and next week, I'm oh sorry, on Thursday, we are going to continue. It is important because Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 5 says this. Can I have Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 5? You see, when we come into the temple, as important as the people are, the priest is the who is standing in in between god and man he is the bridge the the priest is the bridge the high priest and that is why in hebrews chapter 8 we should be i mean from when we start reading from hebrews chapter 5 into chapter 8 we must be glad that jesus is our high priest the high priest mm-hmm. is so crucial because when we come into contact with the high priest we must come into contact With every promise, with every covenant, with every assurance, with every power, with every grace, that is part of the essence of the deity. Remember, any deity that appears in the temple comes with abilities, comes with powers, and he promises to use that power to our advantage. It is through priesthood that we are able to channel that advantage to the people and to the earth realm. And so as a priest, the Bible says that the priest shall what? Shall minister to God, and they will bless in the name of, the, of God. And by their word, every dispute and every assault must be settled. So it means that even as you are listening to me, whatever issues that you are dealing with, whatever challenges that you are dealing with, I must position myself in God in such a way that any time that you come into contact with with the ministry that the Lord has given me, you must experience the salvation of God. Every dispute, every assault against your life, when I speak, is supposed to bring an end to that struggle. Not only that, but I am also supposed to minister to God and also to bless in the name of God. So if you encounter me and you don't experience this effect in your life, as a priest, I have failed. I have failed. You see, we are living in a day and a time that a lot of priests, and when I say priest, what I mean is the gift of Jesus Christ to their body. A lot of us now... Whatever I've said, I've said in relation to the Old Testament priesthood. Now, let me connect it to the New Testament priesthood so that it becomes more relevant to us. The expectation of God is so high, the demand of God for the priest. Because remember, God will only deal with the high priest. In the system of the temple, God will only deal with the high priest. Listen to me. In the system of the temple, God will not deal with priest directly. God will always deal with the high priest. And that is why even though out of the clan of Levi, God chose the family priesthood. Ah. So, yes, it's from the family of the Kohathites, right? In the family of the Kohathites, God chose particularly the man Amram. In the system of the temple, God only deals with high priest. And so he chooses Aaron as the high priest, then his children as the priest. In our system, God is still maintaining that system. So God will only deal with the high priest. And that is why we do not have Aaron as our high priest. Because the Levitical priesthood is encumbered with, uh, with flaws. Man will always sin. And that is why we needed a high priest who is not going to wear a headgear that said holiness unto God. But that person is the embodiment of holiness and righteousness himself. And that is why in in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews makes it a point to show us that Jesus has become the true high priest and it is through his high priesthood that God would deal with all of us who are priests after him. In the system of the temple, God only deals with the high priest. Aaron is dead. He can no longer stand in the presence of God with the requirement that God has of the high priest. Because remember in the Levitical order, Aaron will have to offer um, the guilt offering and the sin offering for himself first before he will do it for the people. So he means that He will have to ask for forgiveness first before he even appears to ask for forgiveness on our behalf. But in this new system, which is the the system right now, we are in the high priesthood of the Melchizedekian order. Jesus, standing as the perfect high priest before God, is able to orchestrate a better covenant for us. So, Hebrews chapter 8 says it, puts it this way. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the psalm. We have sat an high priest. Now remember, what are we saying? We are saying that the high priest must be perfect. So he's saying that we have sat a perfect high priest who is set in the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary. And of the true tabernacle, a minister of the holy places, in the true tent, in the true tabernacle, that is set not by man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Remember, that's what we read in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1. Thus, it is necessary for this high priest to also have something to offer. Now, if he were on head, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, the Levitical priesthood. But they, the Levitical priesthood, they serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things, the Melchizedekian priesthood. But when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you in the mountain." But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. Just want to end it there. So, God is dealing with us. We remember 1 Peter 2 now. We are all priests now. So, God has an expectation for us. But he is dealing with us through the system of the temple. That is, he must deal with us through the high priest. Christ is our high priest. He has offered a more perfect sacrifice. He, is, he stands in the perfect holiness of God. He stands in the perfect righteousness of God. And because of him, because of him, whatever expectations that we have for God, in his temple, we can receive it. And that is why in the Gospel of John, chapter number 14, he tells us that whatsoever you will ask in my name, you will have it. You will have it. People of God, we all have expectations doing this Christian thing. You see, some people expect to be healed of their diseases. Some people expect to receive a breakthrough. Some people expect God to bless their marriages. Some people are expecting uh, a fruit of the womb. Some people are expecting God to provide a financial miracle for them. God. Some people are expecting God to give them wisdom to succeed, to create wealth, to build something that is glorious. Some people are... They, they are expecting God to crown their life with glory and honor. We have expectations in the temple. It is not only us who has that expectation. God also has that expectation. We have expectation of the processes. When I stand and pray in the name of Jesus, I expect to have result. He said, that in my name, you will heal the sick. He said, in my name, you will cast out devils. He said, in my name. So I have expectations of the name because in the temple, there is the revelation of the name. So in the name, I'm supposed to have a particular result in my life. Are your expectations being met? Time will not permit us to go into the reasons why our expectations are not being met. But I want you to know that the desire of God is that every expectation of the righteous will be crowned with glory, will be honored. That every expectation of the righteous in his house will be honored. That is God's desire. That is how he intended the system to work. That is how he has designed the system to work. That anybody that runs into his house He will find the safety, he will find the refuge, he will find the comfort, he will find the healing. It is his expectation that we are not disappointed. And that is why in talking about, in about to talk about the covenant, the new covenant with the Jews in in Jeremiah 29, he tells us that I know the plans, I know the plans I have for my people. It is to give them a future and a hope. You see, to have a future and to have hope is to know that it can only get better. In the temple where God dwells, we can't overemphasize it. Wherever God dwells, there is glory. Everywhere that we have read that God is, there is glory. When God appears in a place, he appears in glory. He appears in honor. He appears with majesty. Lot of people are no longer going to church because they are always getting disappointed in the temple. Last year, we talked about the Jesus standard. Jesus entered the temple in the Gospel of John, and he says that he found a woman that was bent over for 18 years. It was the Sabbath. And the Bible says that, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord, they sought to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. You see, there was this woman who was always coming into the temple and for 18 years, his desire was that God make me straight. God, take away my shame. God, heal my disease. God, wipe my tears. God, wipe away this reproach on my life. But for 18 years, he was disappointed. Those who were supposed, the priest who was supposed to, bring him bring her salvation those priests entertained the disease jesus appeared and said "Is she not a daughter of abraham in the synagogue is she not a daughter of abraham what was jesus saying you see what jesus was saying is that doesn't she have a covenant in the altar Psalm eighty-four. Let's go back to Psalm eighty-four. Doesn't she have a promise in the altar? I want to show you this in Psalm eighty-four, verse three. Then we pray. Lord, I give you my, I give you my soul. I live for you alone. And we have Psalm eighty-four, verse three. Psalm eighty-four, verse three. Even the sparrow finds a home. And they swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. Where she may lay her young at your altars. Abraham entered into a covenant with God so that her young will be pleased and found in the altar. And that is why the Bible says that through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. It is the covenant in the altar, found in the presence of God, found in the sanctuary of God, found in the, sh- in, in the tents of God. Churches have become collection centers. We have become entertaining grounds for demons. Why? Because we don't want to honor God's expectation in His temple. It is his expectation that anybody that enters into his house will find him Will know him. You see, a lot of people who are entering the temple, they have not yet found his name. They don't know his name. And because they don't know his name, they cannot have a relationship because they don't know what name to call. He said, Call to me and I will answer. It is not just a call, it is a call of his name. But what name have we encountered in his temple? And so we come into his temple and we go the same. We come the same, we leave the same. Sometimes we leave even worse. But the Bible says that Jesus placed his hand on the woman's back and made her straight. Ah. I pray for somebody tonight that as you are listening to me, that the hand of the Lord will come upon you. And whatever has been bent, that the Lord will make straight. That whatever is dying, that they will find life there is joy there is rejoicing there is praise in his in his temple that we will not come you know uh, the, the psalm says that those who come bearing sheep bringing their sacrifices bringing their, their 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 offerings bearing sheep will doubtless come rejoicing They asked you to sow a seed. You give your all. Their promise was that if you give your all, the Lord will bless you and turn your life around. Did he turn your life around? Have we become fraudsters in His house? Has God become a fraudster? Why? Why is the covenant not working? It's because expectations are not being met. My prayer is that on Thursday, we'll be able to talk about some of these issues. And as we talk about it, I don't want you to get offended. I don't want you to name any churches. You are a priest, know that. You are a priestess. know that. So whatever that we are saying, remember you are also the temple of God. So whatever that we are saying, it is much more about you and I than about a Methodist church or the Presby Church or the Anglican Church or the Catholic Church or some charismatic church. It is about the temple. You and I, we are that temple. You and I, we are priests and priestesses. Is God's expectation in your temple, is it being met? Is your expectation in the temple, is it being met? You as a priest and you to the people as a priest, is it being met? Are the activities that we have been proposing pray, fast, give, study Is it yielding the result that we claim it does? This is what we are talking about. I don't want you to um, get into a worship of God that is not fruitful and productive. I want our journey upwards to become fruitful. You see, when I talk about visions, I I don't want to be the only one that sees vision. If we talk about prophecy and prophesying, I don't want to be the only one. I I don't think there's the expectation of my wife and the ministry is is that we want to we want to stand together as the family of God and we want to have although different experiences but the same result God spoke to me and what he said worked. God revealed to me, and what he revealed to me is true if this becomes our life, people of God, our lives will never be the same. tonight I just want us to go on a reflection we Psalm eighty four verses one and two. Ask yourself, can that be said of you? Can that be said of the temple that you have built? Can somebody look at your temple and desire our God? Her? My prayer for you and I tonight is that this particular Psalm, 84 verses 1 and 2, will become the characteristic and the highlight of the temple that you and I are building for God. That this temple will be a lovely dwelling place. A place that hosts God. A place that our soul longs for. Not just our soul, but our soul will not only long for it, but our soul will faint for it. It means that we will do everything in our power to be in this place. So that we will find the joy of the Lord. I pray for you. I pray for you. Even tonight, whatever you are believing God for, whatever has taken so long, I pray that by the time that we are done with this series, I pray that every everything that you are expecting God to do, I pray that you will see it manifest in your life. God bless you for listening. Maranatha, the Lord comes.